Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as ever, I'm joined by Holly. Oh, no, sorry, she's not here. She's busy getting married, which is why I'm recording this by myself. She's not literally getting married as I'm speaking to you. I'm not at the altar recording. But she's preparing for it, and we kind of wanted to do a best of for a while, just to give everyone that hasn't listened maybe just something to you know try out and if you like it perhaps download some more so this is our 50th episode very very briefly the concept of the show is we will talk about any film that has featured in a theme park whether that's part of a ride or attraction whether they've got a ride or attraction dedicated to themselves that's the rule of being on the show and I must warn you we will be talking spoilers throughout not that you'll care because most of these films are very very old and I'm sure you have seen most of them I must also briefly point out that our sound has improved so much from when we first started recording so I'm not going to play them in order but some of the tracks may sound a lot clearer than others If anyone is interested on how we managed to go from sounding like we were down the well to being clean and crisp, just DM me because actually it was wildly simple and I won't go into any technicalities but we're still using the same mics we were using then. It was just a really easy fix. But you don't want to hear me waffle on about that. The shows that we, we tend to get the most positive feedback for are the Disney films. So we're just going to kick off with a couple of classics followed by a modern day classic. So next you are going to hear a clip from Cinderella followed by Peter Pan and ending with Frozen. Enjoy. And the sisters recognise bits of her dress are made from pieces of theirs that the mice took. So they rip it up. And Cinderella runs outside crying and say there's nothing left to believe in. Then, Fairy Godmother rocks up. Where's she been all these years? That's what I was going to, that's what I wrote. You know, we've really got got to wait for Cinderella to hit complete rock bottom before I turn up. Yeah, we've literally got to wait for her to have a nervous breakdown before I before I reveal that I've been her fairy godmother all along. Outrageous, lazy woman. So it starts off with the Darling family. Um, the parents getting ready to go out. So there's three kids. There's older girl, Wendy, and then there's the younger brothers, Michael and John. So I found Wendy to be appalling when I watched it back I was like she's just the most annoying character there ever could be yeah 
like even when she's just sort of you know she just doesn't shut up she's manic you know like the dad comes in he's trying to have a conversation with her and she's just like oh mum and like well mummy or mother or whatever and runs off to go and speak to her and then something else is going on and something else has caught her eye and then peter pan comes into the room and it's like yap 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 you know it's like calm down well she goes from one extreme to the other because she says she doesn't want to grow up but she's got the voice of a 50 year old woman (laughs) all i know is if i was elsa i would have smacked her at that point i'm i don't like being woken up and especially not to build a snowman. <laughs> Basically, they she does get up. Elsa's a good big sister. She gets up and she creates ice and snow and they build Olaf. And and here I was a bit like, how does this get cleared up? <laughs> like, would seep into every room of the house. Would probably start to like seep into the walls a bit. It would cause mm-hmm. dreadful damp. Yeah. I think Holly had a very valid point there. Think of all the mould that would come with that damp that Elsa creates. Dreadful. We don't always see eye to eye, though. Case in point, next four clips you're going to hear. The first two are the films that I'm obsessed with, Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2, followed by Holly's favourite film franchise, Harry Potter. And this one was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I just didn't get it. And then the last clip you'll hear is another one of my childhood favourites, which just didn't translate for Holly, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So let us know what you think about these sorts. So then we see Marty go out in the middle of the night to Twin Pines Mall, which again is another little nod that it's called Twin Pines Mall, where Doc explains it was owned by old man Peabody, who had a fetish for breeding pine trees. And once Marty actually goes back to 1955, he runs over a pine tree. And when you go back at the end, it's called Lone Pines Mall. Is it? I didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. Can somebody be called to have a fetish of something, though, when they've only managed to grow two trees? (laughs) Biff has followed Marty and Doc to the house. Now, Carla, this scene now I mean when I say my blood was boiling (laughs) like I was like I was just I I just couldn't even talk I was so So annoyed by it was this because I woke up this morning quite quite angry uh text from you calling Marty Lots of different names which I can't repeat on here, saying that you were furious. Was this the point that you text me? I actually wrote in my book, you'll have to either bleep it out or just not put it in. Okay, I just get rid put of the bleeps. Marty's an absolute. You've got one job to do, you absolute morons. And you're about on the road. Like, it doesn't have a lock. It can go back in time, but you can't just put the thing down and lock it and walk away. Oh, cool. I live in Hilda. It's so great. And it's like, look around you, you idiot. Like, the sign post of it is, like, graffitied. It looked a mess. <laughs> um, not quite as hard, but I did, I did think Biff manages to get into the DeLorean and drive off, and Marty doesn't turn around 
and hear this. It's the dead of night. I mean, it's quite quiet where they are. I did like the one part of this scene I did like was you saw a dog taking itself for a walk. I didn't see that because I was too enraged. So then they're on a train. Yeah, the Hogwarts Express. Yes. Yeah. And we see Harry pass out for the first time of many during this film. (laughs) Yes. I mean, he passed out more than Gillian McKeith in I'm a Celebrity. (laughs) He did. He did pass out a lot. I mean, he's only a young boy. I mean, that's a lot of passing out to be doing. That is what a Dementor does to you. I didn't see the others passing out. Professor Lupin explains that in the film, Carla, if you're listening... Please tell me. It's because Harry has seen a lot of evil or something or has been through quite a lot of traumatic stuff, worse right. than what others have been through, that it affects him more. Ah. So he's seen a lot of darkness, something like that. He did explain it. So it's nothing to do with low blood pressure then? No. No. I think this was the scene that upset me the most, was when he dissolved that cute little shoe into the dip to make it to kill it i think that was just awful i do because because actually the shoe was probably the least annoying tune there was yeah (laughs) i mean roger i'd have put him in there after about five minutes (laughs) oh she's very harsh isn't she who doesn't like roger rabbit these next couple of films are in a theme park, but they haven't had an actual ride dedicated to them. So these two can be found in Universal Studios Hollywood. You can see the sets for them. So that's good enough for us. That ticks a box. And that means they got watched by us. The first one is The Truman Show. And the second one is the 2005 version of War of the Worlds. Marlon talks Truman out of going to Fiji. And this is why I've said, uh, I just wrote, why did they teach him about life? Yeah, because you just would be like, oh, if you want to get, to, oh, I know someone once, John went to this country, it took him 20 days to get there. And then when he got there, he got mugged and, you know, lost all his money, nearly died. And now he won't ever leave the town. And I'd have one character sat in the corner just shaking. <laughs> and I think at that point, so he sort of went a bit crazy and then threw the peanut butter at the water at the window, and then they were all like, "Oh well, we're not hungry." As not even as a parent, but as a person going through that, I'd have insisted that we ate because I'd have been <laughs> like, "We don't know what's going to happen." Yeah. So I think before we do anything, we need to make sure we have food and we have mm-hmm. the best night's sleep we can have. So tomorrow, we don't know how bad this is going to get. No. You know, like you think, think about it. Just, it just annoyed me. No, I agree. Um, he also didn't know Rachel was allergic to peanut butter. So it proves not a good dad. Didn't know that. From birth, she confirmed. Yes. They tried to give it to her the minute she was born. Didn't agree with her. The first thing. First thing they did. 
before the umbilical cord. Hold up. Yeah, we got some M&Ms here. Let's see how she reacts. Oh, not well. Oh, I was just chuckling away at myself, Len. Sorry about that. Likewise, these next two films also didn't really have a ride dedicated to them, but they were both featured in a theme park, and surprisingly, they were both in a Disney theme park. The first one is Alien, which was in The Great Movie Ride. There was a whole section of it. And to a lesser extent, Con Air, which was on Backlot Tour. They had all of the props and a little like VT making of during the year it came out. So again, good enough for us. That means that we can cover it. So first clip you'll hear will be Alien, and the second clip you hear will be Con Air, which featured my friend Cindy, who was an absolute superb guest. So thank you very, very much again to her for that. I've written down my notes as basically intro very long, sleeping pods weird, in space with a cat. Yeah, I mean, I've written a bit later on about why is there a cat. Extensively Googled this, and I cannot find any, not only any answer as to why there's a cat, but any other person that has asked why there's a cat. And I do find it hard to believe that only me and you would find it weird that someone's taken a cat into space. Well, yeah, I know. It was weird. I agree it was weird. John Cusack is in charge of the aeroplane. Malloy has um, a plant, not a literal plant, like E.T., a plant on the plane to get a prisoner to talk, is the idea. So he's put one of his officers on the plane, and Cusack has said there is no one on this plane that's going to carry a gun other than one that's going to be in the cockpit with the pilot. But Malloy has his plan, have a gun in his sock anyway, just in case, without Kusak knowing. But before that, obviously, we see that this the plant is going to go in and he's got his wire on, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the wire, well, like, obviously, the tape recording. I mean, were people in the 90s just completely blind? Blind. Like, <laughs> it was just the biggest thing ever. <laughs> it really was, right? <laughs> He might as well have had a boombox attached to it. I'm not recording anything. You just don't worry about it. I have big chest bones. My ribs are very large. And talking of great guests, this next section is going to feature another friend we had on the show. This is Lyle, who has supported us from the off and is Holly's, I guess, one of her best friends. I hope I'm not throwing a spanner in the works there and putting anyone else's nose out of joint, but I think that's accurate. These three are blockbusters in the parks. So kicking off with The Mummy, followed by the recently closed down Terminator 2 Judgment Day aka T2 and ending with Armageddon which has a ride in Disneyland Paris the very very beginning obviously we see the pharaoh's wife Mm. and I just thought she was dressed you know seeming as it was like whatever before Christ dressed very um quite she was a bit saucy wasn't she but she was having an affair so I, I think she was a saucy lady I think, you know, he smudged her 
And I just thought, you idiot. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because the only reason the pharaoh knew was because... He smudged he, her. Yeah, and mm. you'd have thought they'd been a bit more careful, really. Yeah, I And agree. maybe could have killed him in a more private area and both just got away and lived happily ever after. Yeah. Agreed. And, and then, then the film would have happened and we wouldn't be sat here right now. He walks into a bar and takes the clothes and bike off of a biker. I thought this was odd because I said it's very lucky. This film could have had a bit of a different twist if he'd have been like dropped off outside of like a country club and had to take, you know, someone's outfit from their golfing clothes. <laughs> In his plus fours. Yeah. In his golfing shoes. Yeah, like he, he got dropped off at pretty much the right place, didn't he? When Ben proposes to Liv, I just thought the ring was very small. <laughs> For somebody who works in the oil industry, I just thought it was a bit... It's a very well-paid job, to be on the oil Yeah. Industry. I mean, it's, a, it's an undesirable job, which is why it's paid so well, because you're away from home an awful lot. But it's extremely well-paid. Yeah. So it's the night before... They take off, and this is stupid. Bruce demands they all get the evening off to go and see their families, which just it just wouldn't happen because you're put in like quarantine. They go off and catch something that's going to take two or three days to come out. It'll come out when they're up there, they'll all be ill. And what was even more ridiculous was that vile scene between Liv and Ben with animal crackers. Of everything that I'd be doing on my potential last day, I would not be eating an animal cracker. <laughs> I just wouldn't. And if you would be eating an animal cracker on your potential last day on Earth, please let us know. I'm thinking maybe you can handle five clips in one go now. You know, we've worked our way up. Do you think, do you think that's something we can do? Let's try it. And the reason I say this is the first clip features my wonderful, wonderful cousin, Becky, who is undoubtedly the biggest Disney expert I've ever met. And she came on to talk about The Little Mermaid. And if you listen to that episode, she talks about the Disney Renaissance, which was basically kicked off in 89 by The Little Mermaid, went all the way through the 90s, where it was just hit after hit after hit. And we've done a few of those, so I think it would be fitting to put those all in in one go. We're going to start with The Little Mermaid. Then I think we'll do it in the order they were released. So let's do Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and then with Mulan. Can you handle that? Good. All of the past mer people that she's captured come back to life, including King Triton. Uh, he sees that Ariel is pining over Eric, so he manages to make her human. Oh, that's my favourite scene from the whole movie. When like he's crying and he has a talk with Sebastian, and Sebastian's completely down turn around on letting the children have what they want. And she emerges in that sparkly dress, so she just oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Becky, she emerges in a sparkly dress. Now, when she turned into a human before, she was naked. Where did she get the dress? Well, it's magic. Surely it's magic. She's turned she was... human anyway. 
I don't think Ursula cared much for her dignity when she sent her up. So he's put a spell, go human and, and have a dress. <laughs> Whereas Ursula was just like, be human and be naked, because she was just cruel. Well, she wasn't notoriously the villain, yes. So then we cut to the wedding, all her sea friends are there, and they live happily ever after. So and that's the Little Mermaid. Now, for all of my my gentle teasing, it is my favourite Disney film. I think it's pretty, and I just I just love it. Yeah, no, God, so do I. Oh, that ending, I, I cried last time I watched it. You can quite often make me cry because they cry, and they create that rainbow, and everyone's waving, and the music's come back on, and it makes me cry. So, Holly, what did you think of the film? I don't think it's great, and I wouldn't really watch it again. <laughs> so a beggar woman knocked on his door and asked for shelter in exchange for a rose and he turned her away now i have lots to say on this i was going to say so i'm on the live one obviously it starts like it's a little bit more not dramatic but you know you sort of see it a bit more like Mm. they're doing this obviously really elaborate party because it says something that the prince isn't very nice like he taxes all the local the people so he can have these like crazy elaborate parties and you know he's halfway through his party and then this woman walks in Mm. and then they all laugh at her and tell her to go away um i don't see a problem with that with them telling some old beggar woman to go away (laughs) yeah well i don't either (laughs) Like, if someone knocked on my door and just said, oh, I'm really cold, can I come in, but I'll give you a rose, I would be like, "Uh, no, and can you get off my property, and then I would call 999. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I would think this woman was up to no good. What on earth would I want a rose for? No, thank you. It's like trying to give me lucky heather. (laughs) It cuts to Aladdin stealing bread with his monkey Abu. And he launches into a song and explains he's got no parents and needs to steal, where the song is one jump ahead. Now, my my cynicism as being older now, I just thought, why can't he get a job? And I also noted he had a very good physique for someone that is starving. Yeah, he did. So, and he gave quite a lot of it to the monkey, and the monkey's tiny and probably doesn't need that much bread. No. Now, what I just, I, what striked me of Aladdin, actually, was a lot. It's in his song. He, he kind of referred to himself very much of, oh, there's more to me, but no one sees it. Hmm. But I was like, I just haven't seen it. And, you know, yes, he gave the bread to the children, but I think anyone, I mean, even I would do that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he, he says that there's another side. I never see another side to him. All the way through it, he's consistently the same character, which is fine. But it's it's kind of like, well, like the vloggers we were talking about and stuff earlier before we came online, that a lot of people, they seem to, nowadays, it seems to be a thing. Oh, I'm so deep. You see more, to, there's so much more to me. Going on about it and show us then. Yeah, I just don't, you know, sometimes it's okay just to be who you are. sort of feel like with Aladdin, he was a bit kind of, oh, like, there's, I'm just this wonderful person, but no one sees it. And it's like, well, you haven't shown that. Like, you've, to be honest, you've stolen. Yeah. And then you've made a mockery of them. 
rather than just stealing and running away and being like, oh, I'm so glad I got my food, you taunt them the whole way through. I don't think that's good qualities in a person whatsoever. Absolutely not. And And actually, sorry, one more thing. Maybe if he was being stolen from, he would feel differently. He didn't like it when later on, when he gets his magic lamp stolen from him, does he? He didn't like it. No. I think this soundtrack is very strong. I say it's very strong. There's only really two songs, this and Colours of the Wind. There are two strong songs. But they're so strong that I think mm. I think it goes up there just on the strength of those two songs. Yeah. So she has a chat with a tree who tells her Coco um, is serious. She listens to Pocahontas' dream where she says she sees a spinning arrow, which spins and then stops. She says it's pointing her down a path, and she asks which one, and the tree gives her some mumbo-jumbo about the wind will tell her, which doesn't help, does it, really? No. The dad is embarrassed by her when she tries to stop it, and he's really rude to her. I wrote, he was a right git. She sees her dad practising... And he falls over. She should have then said to him, you dishonour me, when she saw that. (laughs) He deserved it. Awful. You're such a disgrace as a father and as a man, and you will bring shame upon this family when you are desperately trying to fight and you won't be able to, and then just walk off. We pride ourselves that we talk about Disney films in the same way as we would talk about any films I think that's what you can take from that obviously in all theme parks rides come and go that's an ongoing joke that I always get upset no matter what ride comes out I get very emotional about it I just want them to add I don't ever want them to take away unless it's men in black and then I want that gone immediately So this next bit just focuses on what was there and what replaced it. We'll kick off with Hitchcock's The Birds, followed by Shrek, which is actually what replaced it. I know, right? Ridiculous. Then you'll hear a clip from Ghostbusters, and we'll end on a clip from twister which was the one that replaced it and ironically neither of them are there now and it's actually jimmy fallon that replaced it but he hasn't got a film thankfully so you won't be hearing anything about that so enjoy the next four melanie hides in a phone box i wrote down this was horrible i didn't like this again i could just see this happening to me on a day out in brighton or something just like bird pecking at me in a phone box and there's not even any phone boxes anymore by me actually so you could just go in there really (laughs) trust you i bet it's an old red phone box isn't it probably never been vandalized i bet no one wheeze in it or anything there's no like cards up for old ring dirty susan or anything like that it's pristine (laughs) mitch drags her back into the diner An hysterical woman blames Melanie, saying that she's evil and it only started when she arrived. She's got a point. (laughs) So throughout this, Fiona and Shrek are starting to fall for each other, but then she kind of 
freaks out a little bit when it gets to sunset and we, we don't really know why at that point. And I thought she must have a very elasticated dress. <laughs> because it's quite snug, isn't it, when she's glam Princess Fiona? Yeah, and then obviously it can stretch quite a bit. It literally expands with her. And you'd think if it was going to keep doing that day after day, you know, like the elasticity would wear out. It would lose its shape. It would. <laughs> So she hears growling from her fridge and she opens it and there's a monster inside saying Zool. <laughs> and then she closes it again. I, I, I mean, when I watched this back, I thought, I haven't seen this film. I've always loved it, but I haven't actually probably sat down and watched it since I was a kid. And I was secretly dreading it because I thought I'm not going to like it as much. But actually, I, I did I did enjoy it. And I, I think the comedy was still there. As a film, you know, compared to some of the films you've made me watch, I didn't mind this, actually. It's interesting you say made you watch. I was I, I was thinking, OK, well, the idea for us to do a podcast came from you. You, you suggested it. The, the second thing that came from you was the concept, Theme Park Films. That was your concept. Oh, no. um, I'm not sure what you thought was going to happen after we did Harry Potter, that we would just wrap up. I thought we'd get to do all of them. <laughs> all seven Harry Potter. Yeah. And that would be it. Then maybe all all of the Transformers, you know. Right, okay. You didn't, you didn't think about what else had been historically in the parks when you said, let's do all of the theme parks. No. Right. Yeah. I said it was quite a good cast, wasn't it, this film? Yeah, a big cast. Like, at the time, was it, you know, was it like a real blockbuster? Yeah, it was massive. Absolutely okay, massive. yeah. I mean, obviously, it came out in the USA first, so there was a big hype over it coming out here. And I remember having the sticker book. And I don't even think it had come out when I had the sticker book. So I was collecting stickers for a film I'd never seen. Then I did see it, and I was absolutely terrified of it it really frightened me but because you know how old were you so when it came out in the uk i was i was seven. Oh, okay yeah. Well, yeah it was yeah. quite scary so um but because everyone at school was like talking about it you couldn't say you were scared so we were probably all secretly scared but everyone pretended that they weren't scared and it was just the greatest film ever but the soundtrack more than made up for it because that song I mean, it's still it's still a classic now. It's a classic song, and it had a great video that at the time had really big stars appearing in it to charm Ghostbusters. If you ever watched the video, I yeah. don't know whether you would recognise anyone in the video, but there's there's quite a few I think that you would still spot. And uh, Columbo was in it, which is all I need. Anything with Columbo in it gets the thumbs up from me. So moving on. We are back at HQ and Janine, the secretary, tells Venkman to do something and he calls her bug eyes, which is, uh, that just made me laugh. He definitely would have complaints nowadays. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, Sigourney Weaver walks in and she discusses what she's seen with them. So Venkman goes to her apartment with her and finds nothing. 
looks in the fridge, nothing there. She explains that there was, uh, when she looked in it, there was a building and a monster saying Zool. He tells her he loves her. I think he's really creepy. <laughs> she chucks him out the flat anyway. And we. Because he was being weird. Well, to tell her he loved her that soon after meeting her was a little weird. And then obviously the whole way through the film they keep making reference that, oh, it's your girlfriend. I mean, he's met her once (laughs) and nothing happened. (laughs) He did look in her fridge, Holly. And there's a lot of questions surrounding the aunt's house of they are there purely, you know, this is their job, their livelihood, whatever, is to chase tornadoes. It's the big, like the busiest day of probably their lives of, of work related, but they deem it necessary to go and have a proper sit down dinner at the aunt's. Like, I thought when they said they were going to the aunt's for something to eat, that they were going to be having sandwiches. I mean, there was like steak and mash and gravy, you know, big. Awful lot of food in. Yeah. And Just I did on ask, the off chart. Did she knew they were coming? Because it wasn't clear whether she was aware they were coming. But, I mean, that was a, a, a hell of a banquet that she was able to just rustle up. Yeah. Occasionally, like in the case of Back to the Future, we had to revisit and do another film because one just wasn't enough. And in Jurassic Park's case, we've done three of them. So here we go. We start with Jurassic Park. We fast forward to Jurassic World and then we do our most recent episode ever, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Have it. Um, the T-Rex pulls down the voltage lines and the lawyer runs out of the car, leaving the kids and runs into the loo. Grant says, keep still as its vision is based on movements. But... Well, this annoyed you, didn't it? What happens next? Well, I don't understand why she turned the torch on. Like, I don't, I don't really understand. Like, was it to get the other car's attention? Because I'm pretty sure they can hear and see. Yeah, I don't think that he managed to sneak past the other car. I think they would have noticed him. I don't know if it was just blind panic or that she turned it on and then couldn't turn it back off again. It wasn't very clear what was happening at that point. It smashes through the car and tips it over and starts to eat the car. Now, for a good few, you know, bordering on minutes, Dr. Grant and Jeff are just watching this unfold. I mean, a long time. They do nothing. I mean, they practically got popcorn out to watch it. The car was so beyond crushed, they'd have been dead. Anyway, finally, they remember they're not at the cinema and get out. Grant lights a flare to distract it. But then Jeff, because he's just so much cooler, saves the day by running with a flare so it will chase him. That's a great scene. She called through a code 19. That obviously means sort of, you know, animal out of the cage. Yeah. A code 19 doesn't fill me with fear. No. Maybe a code one, that sounds a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, is it that there's 18 things worse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Escaping? yeah. 
don't know if anyone else picked up on that. I guarantee no one else did, but I like the fact that you did. And uh, I'm going to look at it in a, in a whole new light the next time I watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, do. We then see Claire not in prison. And no sign of her ever of be- going to prison no. either. So in Jurassic World, uh, the podcast, we talked extensively how Claire should be imprisoned because she was ultimately the only living person that was responsible for the catastrophe that happened in Jurassic World. She didn't evacuate early enough. She chose not to have the Indominus Rex shot because she didn't want to lose any money. She was right wrong and... She seems to have got away with it scot-free, which I think is awful. Yeah. They at least should have shown a flashback to her in, like, you know, an orange jumpsuit, where she, you know, served a little bit of time, just a token amount even. Or even in going to court yeah. to see if she'd get, a, yeah, something, some kind of justification. Because there is no way in hell she would have got away with that. No. Or even talk maybe that the court case is still going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just something. Yeah, and maybe this could have redeemed her. Yes. From not going to prison. Well, how it ends, probably not. Well, yeah, probably not how it ends if you leave a kid near a switch. But, you know, we'll get on to that. And I think the only way we can follow the greatness of the Jurassic franchise is... To play you some clips from biggest, biggest films ever made. We're going to kick off with one that I just adore. And if the ride ever goes, Holly has said she will have to have me on some kind of watch where she's permanently checking in on me because she's not sure I'll be able to cope. The first clip you're going to hear will be E.T. We're then going to follow it with Jaws, which quite literally nearly tipped me over the edge when that ride went and we'll round it off with indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark so enjoy these big hitters he fakes his illness quite a good way that you know it is clever how he does that and then um he obviously him and et he starts showing et things so he shows him he shows et a pez which is just a bit i just thought you know out of all the things Let's not complicate it. It's like, this is someone's head coming off and the sweet pops out. I mean, E.T. could have, at that point, grabbed him round the neck and pulled his head back. When the boys did pretend to be the shark, there was just a really funny moment where one of them, like one of the adults, this man, literally pushed the children out of the way to get out. (laughs) And I just thought, that is so something I would do. And it also reminded me, when I was in Florida once, me and my sister were in the sea and we were, I mean, I'd say we were quite far out. We weren't that far out. One, we were just like, you know, messing around or whatever. And then the next thing I know, she is literally running like so crazy out of the water. So I'm, I was like, oh, like what's going on? So I, I ran after her. She got onto the beach and then I was like, what happened? And she was like, oh, I thought I saw a shark. And I was like, okay, well, you just, you didn't even, you didn't even tell me. (laughs) (laughs) 
she literally just ran off. And I was like, thank you for that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So for the remainder of the film is on Quint's boat. And the first question that, that both of us came up with was when the shark has been seen so many times close to shore, what on earth were they doing going so far out to catch it? <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And they, they were... sat on the beach. <laughs> yeah, and put their toe in the water and the shark would have been there. <laughs> Well, because when he was a teacher, he looked a bit geeky as well. And obviously they geeked him up for the teacher role. But, you know, he had glasses. Not saying all people with glasses are geeks, but, you know, I can say it. I wear glasses. Normally, you know, they're not the toughest of people. Did they have contact lenses in 1936? <laughs> because he can't, he can't have been able to see a thing. I think that revelation about Indiana Jones having to wear glasses is actually my finest moment. Which leads us nicely onto our unfinest moments, I guess you'd call them. There are just some films that neither of us can connect with, that one just can't buoy the other one up enough for. So these next three clips are ones that we recommend you don't download, really, unless you're a hardcore fan and want to listen to the complete collection. These were not our finest moments at all. We're going to start with Men in Black before we go over to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and finish with the amazing Spider-Man. Try and enjoy it, I guess. Don't even have... You know, like with other films where you've got... I've got so much to say about them. With this, I just was a bit... I don't know if I even really understood what was happening in some parts. Or... Even worse, I did understand what was happening, and it was just a really bad story. I think it was just a really bad yeah. story. That's the fear. Um, and I feel like I could have just listened to the song and saved time, because it's got everything you need to know that happens. Yeah, it does. And to a jaunty tune. So I, I feel I wasted a good two hours of my life when I could have just popped Will Smith on. Kurt then invites them to his home planet and they all go but leave Groot and Rocket to repair the ship and guard Nebula. Wouldn't you have just taken her with you? Yeah, I don't understand because they've left her with a raccoon and a twig. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. If they'd have left that great big thing there, Grax... Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Peter goes off to try and get the robber and he beats up some random man who he thinks is the robber. Yep. And then he sees an old poster of a mask. What I found odd was he then flings himself off of a building to test his web. I'd probably, you know, maybe jump off the sofa to start. Yeah, build it up, work your way up. Yeah, uh, and then build from there, maybe, you know, the dining table after that and the wardrobe. And until I got fairly confident, I wouldn't be doing my initial test jumping off of a building. I did warn you. Let's bring it back up. This next section features our most downloaded ever episode. 
And I've got to be honest, it does astound me that this is the most downloaded. I would never have predicted that when we decided to do this film. It's The Muppet Christmas Carol. And in the UK, we've just come out of a heatwave. And this was still the fourth most downloaded episode during those two weeks. It, It just seems to have gone crazy. So that one will be the first one you hear, and that features Zoe, who is my friend and co-host, because I am actually about to launch a second podcast called Number One Rerun. So you can hear more of Zoe on that from mid-September. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. Theme Park Films is still my baby, and... Holly is still my, I don't know, what is she, like, podcast wife? And maybe Zoe's, like, my podcast bit on the side? I don't know. Bit weird. Forget I said that. And we paired that one up with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids because that, although not there anymore, was a really big 3D show for many, many years and quite groundbreaking for its time. So those two seem to fit together nicely. And said, I, I, you know, obviously, all right, maybe not evict someone on Christmas Eve, but, you know, this man's got a business to run. I think they were a bit hard on him. I actually also wrote down, he makes a val- like a really valid point. He says something like, why should everyone be spending their money when they should be paying their mortgages? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Your number one thing is pay your mortgage and then whatever's left is you have Christmas. You don't go out and spend those on Christmas and have no, no regard no. to your mortgage payments. It's wrong. I I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. So I didn't understand what the beef with Scrooge even was in the beginning. I thought he seemed all I right. I agree. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm the ridiculous one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get your point. People need to pay their mortgage. But the point is that he's uber, you know, he's he's trying to evict them on Christmas Day. Yeah, no, I understand that, that, like, it's okay. not... But they're singing about him as if, like, they don't like him all year round. And if they don't like him all year round because he expects you to face up to your responsibilities, it's them with the problem. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you're missing the point that he's... There's one thing facing up to your responsibilities, but his attitude when he does it, it's not got a good attitude. Oh, what, expecting people to pay money back that he's lent them? What a bad man. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I think you're missing the premise of the whole film. Obviously, by the end of it, we obviously knew how long they'd been outside. But initially, when the food, when they found that cookie, that dirty cookie. They found a cookie and dove on it like they hadn't eaten in days. I mean, it was only about 25 minutes into the film. (laughs) It baffled me. Um, We're just going to close off the Universal Studios section of the best of we're free of the most current rides there i guess you would call them so the first clip you'll hear will be fast and furious 5 aka fast 5 we then go over to island adventure and talk about kong skull island before heading back over to springfield in universal studios and chatting the simpsons movie So I've written here, chaos ensues, which, as we know, is code for I have no idea what happened. But there was lots of fighting. 
utterly, utterly ridiculous <laughs> that Vin gets in the last car, Paul jumps onto the car just as he's about to hit a bridge, and then they fly off a cliff and land in the water. You, At the very least, you get the bends after that. Uh, Mason falls off a rock and Kong picks her up. Uh, yeah, but she falls off a rock into the water for about five minutes, floating <laughs> in the underwater for, mm-hmm. and then he rescues her. Yep. I thought this was like a homage to the original 1933 one, which in that the story was kind of Kong was... Um, People are going to say I'm wrong on that, but he was kind of in love with a woman and he kept on holding her in his hand and obviously she was fighting to get away. He didn't want a relationship with Kong. She just thought... And how would it work? How would it... It would never work. You know, he was far too tall for her. And who is your favourite Simpsons character? Um, I don't know if I have one, really. Uh, When I was a kid, it was Bart, obviously... I was a teenager when Do the Bartman came out and all of that, and I had all the typical Bart Simpson T-shirts, etc. Now, I don't think it would be Bart. I think I would find him quite annoying. Probably Marge. I'll probably sympathise with Marge. That shows my age. Yeah. (laughs) Who's yours? Homer. I mean, my favourite Simpsons ones is when Homer's going to cheat on Marge. Gosh, I don't think I've seen that one. Is that Simpsons After Dark? (laughs) And Holly has never let me live it down that I said Marge was my favourite Simpsons character. I did later revise it to Ned, but hell, let's stick with Marge. I'm not the only one to say absolutely outrageous things either. As we round off the Disney podcasts that we've done so far, we're going to turn our attention to Pixar for the last four. And again, we'll do it like we did the Disney Renaissance. Let's do them in chronological order. So first of all, you will hear A Bug's Life, followed by Finding Nemo, then Cars, and rounded off with Toy Story 3. Uh, We see the Queen and Princess Atta in a panic. Dot, who is the little sister, tries to fly. And she calls the old Anne mum. God, she looks far too old, doesn't she? To be her mum. Yeah, and I sort of want to know, like, where's the dad? Well, I think he's dead. Because as I text you... I found that I get I in my mind I just thought ants don't live that long. Like they're going on about, you know, there was a joke about obviously this was released in ninety eight and they said oh the joke about something happening in nineteen ninety three. Well none of them would have been alive to see that. Um because if you look it up, ants don't live that long. The only one that would be alive would be possibly the females live for a few months and the queen can live for years but male ants pretty much die quite quite quickly unless they're worker ants and only then they last a few months so sad to think that by the time it was released in the uk they were probably all dead the cast my favorite obviously other than dory who was clearly the best character um 
My other favourite character was Bruce the shark, the vegetarian shark. The shark is the best character. The the starfish was really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the little sort of octopusy thing that inked itself was lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Dory is possibly the most annoying character I've ever seen in my life. Well, that's outrageous. I mean, I literally cannot believe they've made another film with I... Dory being the main character. I mean, I'm shocked. I mean, I, I, are you joking? No. Oh, right, okay. Dory is literally, like, the funniest one in it. She's a great character. The film would have been awful without Dory. I, I don't know. I think it would have been much... It would have been quicker, because he would have found Nemo quicker without having to look after Dory. Well, this took a dark turn. <laughs> Did you think I'd like Dory? I didn't think there was anyone in the world that wouldn't like Dory. It just didn't even enter my head that this would be a conversation piece. I thought I thought you'd probably slag off the dad. I thought you'd probably dislike Nemo. Sure. But Dory. So we see Doc wearing his Hudson Hornet branding. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> and how? With their like with their little teeth or something. I don't know. Maybe that is it like a costume. I don't know what this world is where their cars. Oh, yeah. it maybe off. maybe it is a costume. Yeah, I don't know. Is it the equivalent of you know just popping on some lycra shorts or something? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I didn't think of that. And that leads me on to why would you play with a piggy bank? <laughs> I don't get it. Which I think is my favourite ever text I've ever had to do in my life. Why would you play with a piggy bank? <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe to turn off the podcast. We've got some more, guys. We did five specials. And the first three you're going to hear are what we thought would make really good theme park rides. So we're going to kick off with another one of my childhood films, which I adored and still do, The Goonies, before heading into Grease, which is a film that we both love. And finishing with still rather brilliant Independence Day. Data lights dynamite, thinking it's a candle, and managing to steal the way out, because he's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Sloth. Holds up a rock, enabling them to escape. He tells Chunk he loves him, but Brand pulls Chunk away. Now, I found that a little bit weird. Yeah. They've only shared a baby roof in about an hour. Yeah, I thought that. Too soon. The anchor lifts, and outside they are reunited with their parents. Chunk's mum and dad bring in pizza. (laughs) Yeah, I liked that. The Fratellis stumble onto the beach and the police uh, pounce on them, but Chunk protects Sloth. And then he says, you're going to live with me. Yeah, I'm sure his parents are thrilled at that. Uh, Yeah, he says that um, you're going to come and live with me now because I love you. Again, uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. So highly unlikely that would happen. I would imagine Sloth probably ended up in some kind of mental institution. Yeah, probably. 
and that maybe he would go and chunk would go and visit once a week and then it would die out and by the time he was 20 he wouldn't even like remember him and then he'd go crazy and try and find him and then kill him (laughs) all of these sequels you're coming out with sloth get revenge Andy has an affair with with Mikey. I mean, there yeah. are endless possibilities how they could bring this gang back together and not have to bother with pirates. Exactly. Watch it. It just it gets better. I just love it. Really, really love this film. There's a lot of, you know, me, because, you know, you're very like, oh, my top five, top ten, top 50 films. I mean, you could name them all. Um <laughs> Any genre, you know, any any category, top top five films which doesn't, you know, have this character in it. You know, you have your list ready to go. I don't. But I would say that actually this probably would be one of my favourite films without even really realising. Wow. That's impressive then. Yeah. Because you don't have many favourite films. No, I don't. It starts... With, I mean, can we just have a real quick conversation before this begins? And it is one of my favorite films, but you know, there is a few issues in it. How old? How old <laughs> were they? Okay, I've done research because I knew this would come up. I know how old each of the actors were when they played these parts. So, do you want to guess? Do you have a guessing game? Okay, so I'm going to go John Travolta. I'd say he was thirty. Okay. What do you think Olivia Newton-John was? 25. Rizzo? <laughs> 50? No, I'm 32. I won't, I won't go down the entire list, but I have got all of them on here. But um, I will just say uh, Kaniki. I'm just going to go 30 again. Okay. So um, John Travolta oh, was actually only 23 when he filmed old, this. doesn't he? So one of the youngest, actually, he does look older. He was the third youngest. So the only ones younger were Marty, who was the coolest of the pink ladies. She was 20. Patsy was 22. He was the blonde T-bird. Olivia Newton-John was 29. Now, she did look pretty good for 29. Yeah. I mean, she didn't, let's not be honest, she didn't look 17. But I could have believed she was early 20s. So Rizzo was 33. She was the oldest. Mm. She didn't look 18. No, but she was so cool. Oh, I don't yeah. think it mattered. Yeah, no. And Kaniki was 26. Again, he did look older than that. Yeah. So they offered the part to Olivia Newton-John and she was apprehensive because she was 29 and she was like, look, I can't play a high schooler. There's no way. And apparently, I don't know how true this is, but apparently according to a Channel 5 special, which I would have no reason to doubt whatsoever because they're always very accurate, they said that's fine, everyone in it would be older so that it wouldn't notice. And it kind of works because all of them look too old. You kind of forget it. I think if they'd have tried to have real teenagers mixed in yeah, with, with middle age. But because they all looked older, you kind of just overlooked it. I mean, when I was a kid, I don't even think I noticed they all looked older. No, I don't. I think it's only really recently I was watching, you know, watching it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they do look quite old. And then you just sort of go, oh, well. 
And then it's only when they make a reference to them being like 18 or something. And I think also why it works actually is because you never see any of their parents. So you never see their, any one of their parents. So you only see te- the teachers, but the teachers are like significantly older. Yeah, I wonder if they did that on purpose as well, because all of the teachers look like they're nearing retirement. And um, even like the waitress in the diner was a very older lady. And I, I yeah. just. Whereas maybe if you'd have seen like Sandy's parents, you know, it would have maybe been a bit more. They would have looked younger than Rizzo. We see New York. Now, this is realistic, right? Idiots in New York with welcome signs. Now, if something like this actually happened, there would be lunatic people that would do that. I thought that was the most realistic thing about the entire film. You'd always get one. I agree. Bad guess. (laughs) Probably the whole of Brighton would lay out like the whole of their beach would just spell welcome and then they just get blasted into the sea. And they'd probably have, like, sandwiches and stuff ready for them. Vegan sandwiches waiting for the aliens and be all excited to embrace them and, you know, if you show them love, it's all going to be all right and then boom! Um, Just so I do like Brighton. I live quite close to Brighton. That was just just a joke. They'll forgive me. They're nice there. That's what that's what they're like. They're going to forgive me for it. It's okay. They're already giving me a virtual hug. <laughs> Rather wonderfully, it blasts them all out the sky, doesn't it? So it opens up and they're all standing there trying to welcome them and it just blows them away. Which I thought was really funny. It was hilarious and the best <laughs> scene. And then we see uh, all the cities being destroyed. Um, I mean, at the time, this CGI was amazing. And I must say, looking back, some of it was really ropey. Very. Yeah, I'm surprised, actually, at how badly some of it's aged. When you consider Jurassic Park was before this, and that still looks pretty good, what they were doing in this, I don't know, but there was a scene coming up with... um, Jasmine and Dylan and the dog in a tunnel, which is just the worst CGI I think I've ever seen. So bad. So that scene, when Mm. obviously they're driving, and you know, it says something on the radio, doesn't it? Like, oh, avoid highways where you can. Mm. When she starts driving, she's like, oh, could have told me earlier. And I just thought, (laughs) use use your common sense. It's like trying to escape via the M25. Yeah, like. The most horrific place normally. Yeah. So, oh, I know what, when everybody's on the road, I think I'll head right there. No, yeah. think about it, Jasmine. So yeah. then there's sort of, you know, it's all a bit of a standstill and people are manically running past her, yeah. which she takes a good few seconds to clock on what on earth is happening. Yeah. Turns around and then proceeds to take every piece of item that she has taken (laughs) with her and then the sun (laughs) wouldn't you just be like oh my gosh like there's like a massive fireball coming i don't like the car's gone what on earth do we have in these bags like you know it what we thought was going to happen has gone it's escalated it's nowhere near us just having to vacate the city we're at another level now grab your son grab your dog and go 
I mean, the bags get rescued before the dog because the poor dog has to rescue itself. Well, she yeah, just calls it. Yeah. She's just like, oh, whatever the dog's name is. Woohoo. And I just thought it was quite selfish of her that she could see a lot of other humans running. And she didn't call out and, she and didn't say, go, in here. Quick in here. She calls her own dog, so she's fine. There was plenty of room in there. It, there was absolutely loads. And we're nearly at the end. So for those that are counting, you will see we've done 46 clips. That's because we have two outtake shows and a birthday Q&A, which obviously I didn't add into this. So we're just going to finish off with the two last clips of the specials I mentioned. These two were films that had a theme park in them. I mean, you can you can literally hear the barrel being scraped sometimes as we try to expand on this boxed-in theme that we've given ourselves. Both probably, arguably, have fairs rather than theme parks in them, but it works for us. So the first clip you'll hear will be The Lost Boys, and the second clip features Britpod scene fellow admin and co-host, producer etc of the legendary rough giraffe podcast stacy so thank you very much stacy for coming on the show it was a real pleasure to have you and she features in our big episode so first up lost boys second big they then take him to hang on the bottom of train tracks another opportunity where you could have said no like he wasn't even drunk (laughs) or hi or that you know all they'd done was give him some chinese like literally nothing else had happened to make him do something really stupid where did they get the takeaway from i didn't understand that who's delivering to a cave i don't think delivery would (laughs) obviously this is the name of the film but i thought the terminology he used to become a grown-up was weird because I did. He said he wants to be big. Well, that could have really backfired. Mm. He could have woken up like the BFG or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- he didn't say grown up. He said, I want to be big. He could have woken up just really fat. <laughs> yeah. Like, couldn't have left the bed. You know, that that's what the film could have ended up like. <laughs> Obese is not a great name for a kid's film, though, is it? So that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, bravo to you. There was an awful lot of clips there, but I I did have fun listening back. It's always nice that I've kind of got a keepsake of conversations with my friend. We just want to remind you, you can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films, on Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast. We're on Facebook, or you can email us, themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. We are also the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please go to Britpod Scene on Twitter, where everything we retweet are the shows that we endorse. Or you can go to the website, BritpodScene.com, to find out more. If you're a real glutton for punishment, and this was not enough listening to us, firstly, perhaps go and see the doctor, because I'm not sure that's healthy but we can be found in a few other places too we've done a few collaborations so we did a show with chris from easy riders raging podcast where we discussed willy wonka and the chocolate factory that was great fun and a little teaser 
you will be hearing Chris appear on our show before the end of the year. So watch out for that one. We also did a show last year with Peter from Podstalgic, where we chatted about Encino Man, or if you're in the UK, we know it as California Man. I appeared with Stacy, doing the unenviable job of standing in for her brilliant mum on the episode called Shaken Fists and Caffeine Kids. So you can find me there. And I was also honoured to be asked on the Betamax Video Club podcast where I discussed Stir Crazy with Rich. And we pondered if Stir Crazy was the inspiration for Shawshank Redemption. I think we were onto something. We also want to give special thanks to Will from the Hey Down In Front podcast who is the guy that you hear on all of our trailers. I'm certain that he is the one that gets us downloads. So thank you to him. And thank you to everyone that's ever listened to the show, especially the ones that listened again and again. Here's to the next 50. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.